Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out my website for all of my written work, 3,800 plus film reviews to choose from. Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today we're going to be looking at Alice Through the Looking Glass. It's a fantasy adventure, rated PG for fantasy action, peril, and some language, and it runs an hour and 53 minutes. Mia Wasikowska returns as Alice. Johnny Depp, Sasha Baron Cohen, Helena Bonham Carter, and Anne Hathaway are also in the film. And the vocal talent of the late Alan Rickman, as well as Timothy Spall, Stephen Fry, and Michael Sheen. The director is James Bobbin, and the screenplay is by Linda Wolverton. And the film features characters that were created by Lewis Carroll. You know, this being a sequel to 2010's Alice in Wonderland, that wasn't really a great film. I did give it a passing grade of three stars out of four, but it did rake in a hefty billion dollars from the worldwide box office. So naturally, that's going to get an instant green light to create a sequel just about every time out the gate for Hollywood. Six years is a long time to wait by Hollywood standards for a follow-up to a movie that didn't build up cult status over the years. In fact, it's mostly been forgotten by people who've seen that film. So now that it's here, most people, even those who were mildly entertained by the first effort, are likely adopting a wait-and-see approach. After seeing it myself, my advice to you is stop waiting, don't see it. Uh, Atlas Through the Looking Glass continues the mostly CG look into the realm of the beloved Lewis Carroll creations, only this time... The adventure that they're on is entirely new for the screen, trying to delve into the backstory of a few of the more notable eccentric characters, namely the Mad Hatter, the Red Queen, and the White Queen. The director of the previous film, Tim Burton, vacates the director's chair to concentrate on his producer duties for the film. This allows the Muppets director, James Bobbin, to try to make sense of this convoluted script from longtime Disney screenwriter Linda Wolverton, who also wrote the 2010 release. The awfulness of Through the Lucking Glass shouldn't be blamed on Bobbin, however. He's handcuffed by having to firmly adhere to that kind of bizarre style and the grotesque aesthetic of the original film. He's also answerable to the film's original director, Tim Burton, throughout, because he does still serve here as the producer, and that means that the vision of the movie is mostly out of Bobbin's hands. The story for this sequel picks up as Alice has come home to London for a spell after traveling the world as the captain of her own ship. However, she comes to find that her ex, Hamish, is using financial leverage that pressures her to stop adventuring by handing over the ship and taking up a job as a clerk at his shipping company in order to pay for the family home that Alice's mother had signed over to him. Unable to deal with the stress at hand, Alice finds a portal in the large mirror above Hamish's fireplace, which returns her to Underland, where she's immediately greeted by her fantasy friends from the first film. Now, it's not all a happy reunion for Alice. She soon discovers that the Mad Hatter has taken ill. He learns that his thought-deceased family may, in fact, still be alive, but he's unable to locate them, which has taken away his spirit to the point where he might actually pass away from the grief. To save her friend, Alice visits the realm where time, in human form, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, doing a 
German accent that channels Werner Herzog if he were also trying to do an impression of Christoph Waltz. Time has a free-floating vehicle called the Chronosphere that will allow Alice, when she steals it, to go back in time to make things right for the Mad Hatter and his kin. Along the way, she also discovers more information about the dreaded Red Queen's early years, who once again stands in the way of Alice's success on her mission. Now, the only thing that's really going for Alice Through the Looking Glass is its emphasis on eye-popping visuals. While I find nearly every one of the character designs in the movie to be unappealing or repugnant, depending on who it is we're talking about, there's no question that the makers of the film do put a great deal of time and effort into the incredible costume designs, as well as the eerie beauty of the Underland environs. Alas, it would have been nice to see these digital creations used more sparingly because the film coats just about everything from the entire landscape to the makeup on Johnny Depp's face with the same kind of computer-generated coating that never truly allows us as the viewer to feel like we're really being taken away to a place that Alice would also take as real. That would still be fine if the so-called real-world scenes of Alice, before she goes into Underland, she captains a ship, and that's also filled to the brim with computer effects that are just as obvious as those found in Underland. So there's really not a lot of distinction between reality and fantasy, the way that it plays out within the course of this movie. Now, one of the major reasons why Alice Through the Looking Glass fails to captivate is its insipid story. This requires us to invest emotionally into a character that we neither care about nor relate to having to get back together with his missing family. There's also a ridiculously silly subplot that involves the origin of the Red Queen's madness and ends up involving, of all things, who left tart crumbs on the floor under her bed. Yes, you heard that right. That's what it's all about. As with more recent fairy tale efforts, whether it's the stage musical Wicked or the more recent revisionist Disney live-action work Maleficent, there's an attempt here for us to sympathize with the main enemy here, the Red Queen, as someone who is not evil but merely misunderstood and damaged to the point where she has no choice but to play the heavy in the lives of everyone around her. But I think that this backfires because, if anything, the acts committed by the Red Queen because she can't get over her misplaced blame for something nearly inconsequential may makes her seem even worse than if her heart were filled with pure maleficence from birth. That said, I do think that this brings up another problem, which is that of character irrelevancy. We end up never really caring about Alice as a person. We see her merely as a vessel through which we meet a menagerie of odd people doing one or two absurd things to distinguish them in this crazy land. Characters this thin don't deserve backstories to explain them or even extended climaxes that have no real consequences to us because we never believe that there are any real stakes at hand for these characters that we don't have much vested interest in or for this fantastical and magical world where anything can and does happen. We're not even sure that this underland really exists outside of Alice's imagination. So... Whether it exists or not, it doesn't hold that much importance to us because we don't care about any of it. It's just there to delight, amuse, scare, or make us wonder. But there's nothing more than that to it. Whereas Lewis Carroll's work succeeded mostly because he didn't explain every single thing about Alice or Wonderland... 
He merely offered a very surreal experience that will delight young and old alike who will read it as a straightforward fantasy instead of what he intended, which was a political allegory. Now, there's no satirical allegory here either, and not a great deal is left to the imagination within the course of Alice Through the Licking Glass as a film. It tries to offer up explanations for things and characters that were better off just being born of inspired lunacy. Besides, trying to bring logic to the realm of Underland only raises more substantive questions about its existence that the film doesn't have the time nor the inclination to elucidate to us, regardless of the origin stories of a few of its zanier residents. You try to make sense of a few characters, and then you're going to end up saying, well, why are they here? And what is this place? And why does it exist? And why is Alice the only person who can get there? By trying to make sense of things, it becomes even more senseless as you start thinking about it in your mind. So, you know, and one of the more ironic things that I came up with while thinking about this film is that in the movie, in the story, the chronosphere that Alice steals in order to go back in the past, she can't use it to actually change the past in order to change the present, but she can use it to get knowledge that will make things better in the present. So I'm thinking, boy, if only the makers of Alice Through the Looking Glass had learned this valuable lesson that's in their film on their own when they looked to the past, six years in the past, to the billion-dollar property called Alice in Wonderland to exploit. You know, they ended up learning the worst lessons from why they thought it was successful, and that made their present production even more incomprehensible and entirely superfluous than the original. So the lesson... I think they should learn is to stop looking to the past to try to bring entertainment to the present. I think that they miscalculated just how rabid the fan base was for Alice in Wonderland. You know, that was a 3D film. People were still on the Avatar high at the time. They really enjoyed the Avatar experience. And here was a Disney film, very high budget, very colorful, with a lot of uh, star power in it and a known property. And boy, you know, they went out to the theater to see it and they watched it. They consumed it. It was passable entertainment for most. And they quickly forgot it when the next property came out. Nobody was clamoring for this, and yet they're going to spend over 200 and some odd million dollars to try to bring it to life. And the result is they learned all the wrong lessons. You know, all they need to do is ask the people that went to see it and maybe even enjoyed it, would they come out a second time? Do they want to see more? What is it that they want to see? And, and I guarantee you all of the answers that they would have gotten would not have resulted in anything remotely close to what this film ends up being. This is wrong-headed thinking all around that we need to know more about these characters. We need a backstory. We need answers. But what we really don't want is answers. We want to live in this fantasy world where crazy things exist. And we like the characters for their one or two things that they do. We don't need to have a reason why they do the things they do. Because that would ruin the fantasy. This is a fantasy film. You know, things don't need to be grounded in reality. Especially not Underland or Wonderland or whatever you want to call it. That should always remain somewhat out of reach from explanation. Hopefully Alice Through the Looking Glass is the last of this because I'm through Alice in general as it is now. So I don't really want to see more of this. 
So I'm giving Alice Through the Looking Glass two stars out of four. Two stars on my scale means that it is lacking something vital that would make it worthwhile entertainment for most people to go to the theater and see. There really is no sense of wonder to Alice Through the Looking Glass. It's not a wonderland anymore. Even in this film, it's called The Underland. There's no wonder anymore. In fact, the name of her ship is The Wonder, and she even loses that at the beginning of the film. So... You know, having lost all sense of wonder, both literally and figuratively, Alice Through the Looking Glass fails as a property that makes you want to return visit. I'm sorry I couldn't be more encouraging. I didn't necessarily have high expectations, but I at least wanted to be modestly entertained, which is what I kind of was for the first film. This one seems like just more of the same, only worse. So two stars out of four is all I can give Alice Through the Looking Glass. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. I also want to remind you that you can write to me. You can go to my website, quipster.net, and find my contact information there. If you have anything that you want to tell me, whether it's about this movie or any other film that has come out or yet to come out, so quipster.net is where to go, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks for listening, and I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. 